hey Rob, what are we doing here? Uh, Aaron, you realize that we are producing an audio-based product. I'm aware of this. And yet, before we started, you suggested that you should burp the intro? Well, I... The reason I said that is because I actually don't think I'm capable of it. I've never had any of those burping skills that some people have. I just had to burp and then thought, wouldn't it be interesting if I had those skills? But I don't have those skills, so it was a moot joke anyway. I just, you know, I was just worried that you thought that people would enjoy that kind of content. Oh, no, I don't think they would. I bet there is a podcast out there where they burp the entire podcast. I mean, if it doesn't exist yet, we should create it, but it would be pretty one-sided. TM, 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 TM. Yeah, it would would be pretty one-sided considering I can't burp on command. How's life? Uh, did, did, did you see any results from the Washington election that, uh... I mean, I looked at them last night. I uh, like, I, 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 I voted, but, like, I have no idea who any of these people are. And the state of Washington mails out these pamphlets that are supposed to give you, like, you know, a brief summary of who each person is for every ballot measure to kind of explain what they're about. Yeah. Um, and I went through and I read most of that stuff and I didn't really feel like I was any more... Like, that well-informed, like, definitely not well-informed enough to, like, vote. Okay. But I did anyway, which probably makes me part of the problem. Uh, so, here's the deal. And maybe, let me preface this with, I welcome disagreement to this statement because I am, what's, what's the thing that, uh, What's his name said about the whole Trump thing? That they're the Clinton investigation. Comey, he said, reasonable a reasonable person could disagree, and that is my status on what I'm about to say. A reasonable person could disagree. It's just my opinion, and I wouldn't even argue to the death about my opinion. I feel that, especially for elections like these, reading the pamphlet is enough. Like, if you read it, I feel like, sure, you're not going to understand, like, the intricacies, but each, like, the representatives from each side of initiatives get to write a blurb about why you should choose their side, They and then they each get to write, like, a counter-argument blurb, right? And then, uh, you know, for all of the people, they each get to write a blurb, and I almost feel like... I would prefer if this is the way presidential elections were. You don't oh, know that would who be they, so nice. You don't know who they are. You get a fucking plant pamphlet, and each of them have a half a page blurb. <laughs> no radio ads. No, no radio TV ads. ads. No, <laughs> no fucking debates. Even skip the debates. Read the fucking blurb and choose the person whose policies you align with. You know what I would do? Is I would give them each 250 words to write an abstract and then 5,000 words to write a paper describing sure, what yeah. they want to do. And the people who just want to read the abstract, almost yeah. anyone can make it through 500 words. 250 words from this dude, 250 words from that dude. Yes. Uh, and then if anyone who wants to get in more, they can write like a like 5,000 words is more than enough, Yeah, I think. To touch on your points and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so I, I'd actually say almost the opposite. 
to me, it's refreshing not having watched any debates, literally only seeing people's signs and ignoring them because they're signs and they don't tell you anything. And then, yeah, right? Like, I see all the signs. I'm like, I don't know who that person is. And in yeah. five seconds, I'm not going to remember that name. Exactly. I will have to say I saw a candidate that was running for a city council position in Snoqualmie placing her own signs. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But then I read the people's blurbs and the other woman had policies with which I agreed. So I voted for her. Like, to me, you know, the signs don't help. The debates don't even really help that much. Like, you have a platform. Tell me what your platform is and I'll figure it out. And so I actually prefer the way the, the Washington elections vote where or uh, elections work where you just get a pamphlet and your ballot and you fill it out and you mail it in. I I like... I was talking to a coworker about this today at work, and he was saying, like, because he's from Louisiana. Okay. And we're from Texas, so we probably have a similar experience where normally when you see a ballot, there's, like, a good guy and a bad guy. Like, there's, like, a comical bad guy who's like, fuck poor people, let's destroy the government. And then there's another guy that's like, how about everyone gets health care and we make, make it so homeless people's lives are easier? Like, that's usually what you have to vote between. And it's usually pretty easy. Yeah. Um, here it was like two good guys yeah and so like i read the pamphlet and i was like they kind of want to do the exact same stuff and they both sound pretty reasonable about the minor differences there are yeah in in those cases i literally don't mind leaving them blank like i'll just abstain from that one election and be like like you said there's a certain amount of reading that i think can help me uh, feel prepared to make the vote that I'm about to make. And then, yeah, if I read them and I'm like, I'm not really sure, then I'll just say, I don't feel prepared to make this vote. I just won't vote on this one item or whatever. I did make a general rule. Because there seemed to almost always be one candidate that said something about, like, helping or supporting our local police force. Mm. And I would not vote for that person every time. Mm. Like, your priorities, not in the right place. <laughs> You're trying to appeal to the wrong people with that sentence. I see. It's because you think that the uh, it's it's a dubious uh, motive. There's there's dubious motives for stating that. I, I was just saying, and we've had disagreements about this before. My opinion is, if you're stating it in a way that, in like deep down, you mean like you want to improve upon the way the policing is done in our communities in not just the ways that the police want, but the ways that the community wants, then I think that that's a valid thing to want for the community. If you're, if you just drop in that extra clause to your paragraph, then yes, the motive is probably dubious. It's probably like, Hey, gun nuts. I'm here for you too. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I could see what you're saying. Uh, however, I would say that I could see an individual, if they had enough space, that could lay out a sentence in such a way that it would be supportive of uh, policing the community properly, but in such a way that is, you know, what the community wants and what the community needs. I forget which position they were running for, but there was one that I was reading the the two the two people's thing, and one person had obviously used the maximum number of words allowed. Uh-huh. And one of them had written like a third of that much, oh, and I wow. voted for. I had written. I voted for that person because I was like, concise, concise. Appreciate it, man. I didn't. 
there's almost always, and I don't know whether he ran in this election, and it's normally in like the state senate or state representatives thing. Um, is is good space guy? Have you ever seen? Uh, him? Yeah, I've yeah. I I've never voted for him, but he is fascinating. <laughs> so, like that New York City guy that's like rent is too damn high. Pl- yeah, party. So, yes, exactly. So here's what I what, what I would like to discuss if if you're interested um, is like the people or like the positions are meh interesting. I think one of the things that Washington does fairly well is the way it does its initiatives and and, and referendums and advisory votes. And so I wonder, how did you feel about your advisory vote? Advisory vote. I think votes. those are completely a waste of paper, space, time, and energy on everyone's part. Why? Because they're non-binding, so the government has passed these things. No, like, it could be 100 to 0 when they're not going to repeal that. Like, and on most of those advisory votes... The description in both the pamphlet and on the vote were so incredibly vague that just by reading that stuff, I had no idea. So, yeah, one of the things that's unfortunate about the advisory votes is that there's no sides, right? It's like the legislature did this. Do you want to express your discontent with what they did? (laughs) Right? It's so pointless. It's so pointless. So I was going to say the same thing. Can you imagine how big our ballots would – like I want you to think of how big the ballot was. How big would it have been had it not been for advisory votes? No, yeah. I mean there was 11 of them. Yeah, there was 11 of them. Um, And then there was a referendum and there was an initiative and then there was a a proposed amendment to the Constitution – and those are the things that I want to talk about. I think the advisory votes are interesting. So for people who don't know or live outside of Washington State, the advisory votes are literally – and like Rob said, when you read the text, the text is always the same because the – and I think I was here when they voted on it. There was a, a referendum or initiative or something that says when the legislature increases taxes anywhere, there should be an advisory vote the next cycle and that was approved which is why we do this and so every single one of them says the washington state legislature comma uh without a vote of the people comma has increased the taxes on uh what was petroleum products was one of them uh do you you know think that that should that this should be maintained or repealed and like rob said it's completely non-binding which is why it's called an advisory vote um what i I guarantee that most legislators don't even know the results of those votes because they're 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 like advisor comes in it's like hey all the advisory votes came in do you want to see the results like yeah put them there and he's pointing at his trash can i agree and disagree i agree that like action in the current session wise I agree. It goes in the trash in that partition of their brain. In terms of the things that they may or may not say during the next election cycle, they can use these things as like, you know, ways to figure out what people like and don't like. So, but see, like, a whether the the voting was like twelve percent of the population voted, yeah, that's and true. then 
11.9% of that population was wildly uninformed on each of these policies and things they were voting on. Yeah, so, I mean, like, like you don't learn anything from this because no one's going to take the time. Like, I actually went through the effort of reading the blurbs and then doing more research online because even the blurbs did not tell me what was going on. Yeah. And so it's like, how many of those people are really going to do that? So They're going to see... Like, there was one of them that was worded that made me think that they were going to give logging companies a discount on their taxes, and it was literally the exact opposite. So it's like, I don't know. They're pointless. They're a waste of time, energy, and space. Yeah. I would not have them. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, cool. So let's let's talk about the other ones since we already got into this topic, and I think it's fascinating. The first one is a proposed amendment to the Constitution. Uh, which was that basically uh, the legislature could have more powers to do certain things during times of emergency. And I forget the whole blurb. Maybe I could look it up if I felt like it. But that was the the basic thing. And uh, do you know the result of that election or that vote? I don't. It was approved 64.6% to 35.4%. So that's quite a margin actually i remember reading that and it was like it was a very specific kind of catastrophic event that they'd get more power in and it wasn't power to the governor it was power to the legislator which is better because it's still not giving any one person person yeah and like the catastrophic events that they had listed in there i was like well if that actually happens then there's going to be a much bigger problem than who's running the fucking government yeah it's it's one of those things where it's like I just assumed that the government would start making emergency declarations and all of us would go okay sure I guess <laughs> like I don't give a fuck because I'm like not eating over here <laughs> yeah um, okay th- this is the next one was referendum eighty eight which was uh, which reinstates affirmative action in Washington in public contracting employment and education. And I did, and I don't have it here. I wish I had my pamphlet um, because I wish I had the wording. Fuck. This is the type of thing that if we were good at podcasting, we would have this information readily available because we were going to talk about this. Yeah. So, But we're not. Do you remember, like, the, the wording was pretty interesting. Yeah, they were going to make it, like... It would have been pretty weak affirmative action had it passed. Exactly. Spoiler alert, it didn't. Spoiler alert, it didn't. Uh, what did you vote on that? Yes. I also voted yes. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where it was like, it was the weakest form of affirmative action you could possibly imagine. I mean, I am personally for very strong affirmative action, but... Like I'm, I'm for probably not as strong as you, but moderate, right? Like I could go farther than this referendum went. It didn't go very far. Um, but because it had the word affirmative action in it, I was pretty sure it would get rejected. Although it was narrow, 51.7 to 48.3. And now it brings us to uh, the one that was the most famous one. <laughs> I think it, I think I think that one the affirmative action was actually more famous. Really, I think more people were talking about that uh, because it has racist like 
implications to it, race implications to it, and people fucking love talking about race. Depends on who you are. Do you mean like people, the media, or people, the people sitting around you in the office? Well, the people sitting around me in the office are definitely on the next one, but that is because we are directly professionally affected by the next one. I see. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> for me, though, around the office, it was it was 976 as well. Like, I think a lot of the people that I work with probably voted to approve referendum 88. Um, and then the, I'm sure at least not a single person I talked to said that they were voting yes on 976. So for those of you not in Washington, initiative 976 was put forward by a famously, uh, infamously stupid individual in the state of Washington. Do you know another one of his bills that passed in Washington in recent years? I don't know which one exactly you're talking about. The advisory section that you were talking about. Oh, really? That was... keep. That's, a team, that's a Tim Einman effort as well. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, okay, cool. So... Uh, basically, Initiative 976, and, and I wish I did have the wording here, because there were three things that it did. Um, it set it so that statewide car tabs were to be set at $30. No more than $30. Right. So before, what it was is that each district could set car tabs at its own level, and that yes. those... That money went to various transportation-based parts of the government. But so Seattle say- had much higher tabs than other yeah. places, but that funding went to things like Sound Transit and the Port of Seattle and uh, King County Metro, uh, which all run various transportation-based things like sound transit and king county metro both run bus services the port operates the airport as well as the port yeah so let's i wanted to talk about that piece of it last because i think that's the one that's most harmful ah the other one another one of them was that that sound transit just put out a bunch of bonds to fund to fund sound transit and bus services and they have to immediately pay all of those back yeah, so, I think that one's going to have a lot more immediate impacts on the area. Yeah, okay. Because Sound Transit's going to have to cut bus services. Maybe I was thinking of... The long-term impacts of the first one are going to be much greater, but the yeah. immediate impacts that people are going to see in the next year or two are the Sound Transit cutting back on bus services. The one that I sort of agreed with was the Blue Book Value one, that... Basically, you pay a fee, like a percentage of your car's value, and the state of Washington just used like the brand new model of your car. Like if you, like even if you owned a 2011 Toyota Corolla, they would make you basically pay your fee against the MSRP of a 2019 Toyota Corolla. I agree with that, not because I agree with it fully. I agree with it for people who are like regressively affected by that i would actually have carved it in half if your car's blue book value uh or sorry msrp is like more than 30k fuck you pay the full price (laughs) 
if your car's MSRP was like when you bought it or a new model was less than 30000 then use the Kelly Blue Book. Like I just – I want it to be more like – you know. The problem with the Kelly Blue Book value and the reason why they didn't use it is because there's no check on it. Kelly Blue Book can set the value at whatever it wants, and so they're manipulatable by individuals. Mm. So that's why they didn't go with the Blue Book value. I do agree that the way they did go with it they wasn't good. Yeah, they don't amortize it pop, prop, uh, properly. But I'm okay saying rich people who have cars worth more than X dollars, like – Fuck it, you can pay the full price. You're probably fine. I mean, they probably should have done it based on the value of the car purchased, and then each year after purchase, reducing it by a percentage. Exactly. That's fine, too. Just saying, like... Of course, then you'd have skeezy people, like, selling Lamborghinis for one penny and blowjobs. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like... (laughs) I don't know how that would all work, but... I think you could just do, like, MSRP of the car when you bought it. Or not when you bought it, like MSRP of the car when it was bought, and then depreciate it over the the year the years. Would you right. depreciate every car the same way though? Because that's also not fair. No, so that's why I was basically like saying, it's, it's like, hard to come up with a fair. I'm just system saying, that doesn't because like, you don't want to put too much work on the government. Otherwise, they're gonna have to hire so many people to monitor everything that it won't be worth it. Here's the thing, like just to make it clear, my. Uh, I don't know. The best way to explain this is I don't care if it's unfair for rich people. <laughs> I don't so, either, but I'm so just saying like... Cut that off. What I want to say is like I have heard people tell me like I can't afford my car fees. I have a 2007 Corolla and they're charging me like it's a 2019 Corolla. And I go, yeah, that sucks. Right? So for me, it's not... I don't know exactly what's fair, but I know that that's not okay, especially for people who can't afford it, right? And that's all I – I like any – I would like if Initiative 976 were just a provision to make rich people pay more and not as rich people pay less. But see, that's the exact opposite of what Tin Maiman wants. I, that's I not know. what was going to be in the bill. I know. It's so comical that it's like – it's literally the exact – and – Yeah. Anyway, the people who are still paying the most are people with the most valuable cars. So this ends up being a bigger break for rich people exactly. with 15 cars than it is going to be it's for any. It's way bigger. It's, it's the same thing as all of these other ta- – like the same way Trump tax cuts worked and shit. shit. Like any time you cap taxes, you are only helping the rich, period, plain and simple. Like you cannot fucking argue that. And so when you read this and you go car tab fees set to $30, it's like all of you fucking people who said yes, like, are you super wealthy or something? And the answer is no. You just get You saw $30 and you were like, fuck yeah, I want to pay $30. Yeah, and you didn't realize that the, the whole – the fuckers who were pushing this were rich people trying to basically trick you and now your services, your transportation services are going to be fucking shitty. Are they going to be shitty or more expensive? Like, they're going to be one or the other. Well, that's true. They're going but, to either increase bus fares... But as far as or they're you, going to run as less far buses. as a person with lower income is concerned, fucking shitty. More expensive or fucking shitty, both are fucking shitty, right? Like, it's just... Uh, it's so disheartening to me to see stuff like this. It's like, man... 
how how did we get here and it's it's a, it's literally and i can understand the argument that people are like you're being a pretentious dick but like these people are being duped like it's it's there's no question like tim iman is fucking duping these people Hey, I'll bring it down from 40 to 30. I just 30. don't know how you it's can like, see a thing with Tim Iman's name on it and not just intuitively think, oh, I don't know exactly what this is, but it's bad. But And I'm <laughs> probably being duped if I think it's good. Yeah, so... Uh, you think I actually, Tim Iman gives a shit that Sound Transit and King County Metro and the Port of Seattle... Are, actually, he might care about the Port of Seattle because that might mean his private jet doesn't get to land on time. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, this could affect like the SeaTac Airport expansion they have planned. They're gonna have less money for that. It could affect yeah. like, there's a new rapid ride line that there's currently in design that might get canned. There's like a hundred and like now tons of stuff that's unfunded. Right? There's 160 bridges that are currently rated F as far as so, the civil that that are currently were in the works of getting redesigned and are probably going to stop. So there's a little bit of a discussion, and I don't remember whether it was a referendum about referendums or not, and this was like six or seven years ago, but in one of the elections, there was a an initiative, it was probably a Tim Iman initiative, that basically was, it was the opposite. This is a lowering of taxes, which, which effectively defunds a bunch of social programs. This other initiative or referendum, whatever it was was a, um, like, basically a mandate to the government without any funding attached. And so either way you look at it, one of them is, hey, government, go do this. And when you read it, it's like, hey, do you want the government to give everyone a free car? Yes. But there was, there's never been a requirement to put how you plan on funding it. So it's just like, hey, legislature, figure out how to give everyone a, f- a free car. You have now been told by the people to give everyone a car, right? This is the exact opposite. This is a, a an initiative that changes taxes but doesn't say what are you going to stop paying for, right? And to me, if, if the blurb said your t- fees will go less than $30 and – Bus service will probably go up by 300% and we're going to cancel this project and so on and so forth. Then it would be a lot more transparent about what is how these things actually affect the way the, the state is going to function. And I remember – I think there was a referendum, but I could be wrong. That was basically like should initiatives be forced to like submit a balance sheet? You may not choose to read it. But, like, at least they're forced to say, car tabs are going below $30. This will drop revenue by a certain million dollars. We're going to pull that revenue from these projects getting canceled or this bus service going up. We're telling the legislature to give everyone a car. We're going to fund that by putting a tax on apples, right, or whatever it is. And, so, like, and I, I was so – I'm super for that. Like, I, I am for things like initiatives and referendums – I think how dumb people are when they vote about them makes me concerned that, like, maybe I'm not for it. Like, true democracy is actually terrible. But it's, I'm even less for it when it's a, it's a, it's a fake, 
it's like a, do you want this thingy? And everyone's like, of course I want it. Of course it's great. Like, sure, I want car tabs less than $30 too. But not for the repercussions that I know will occur, right? So give me the balance sheet. Where do you want to take that money? And maybe- What if the result of this is that the state of Washington ends up repealing the uh, the amendment to the Constitution that prohibits a income tax, and now we have a state income tax to pay for all of this. I mean, Everyone's going to be so fucking happy with Tim Einman when that happens. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it did, right? Like, And so this is one of those things. Like, Tim Eyman could have said, I want to limit car tab fees to $30, and I propose to make up for the money, we add a $20 or 20% excise tax on gasoline. Okay, now you're telling me where it's coming from. I'm not going to pay this, but I am going to pay this or whatever. And and to me, like just having these initiatives is just so stupid if it isn't attached with the consequences, monetarily speaking. Same time, it's supposed to be like will of the people type stuff, and like figuring all of that stuff out is really difficult. I I agree that it's difficult, but I, and they'd have to have help from those government agencies about what they would be able to and would cut. And I. And I don't like Washdot legally had to be neutral. No Washdot employee was allowed to like publicly uh, make a stand one way or the other. Yeah. And so I I would say yes. I, you don't have to be that specific, like where Washdot does this, but basically say when this goes into effect, the state will have X million dollars less funding in Washdot. Washdot will have to figure out all like which services to cut or can recommend which services they cut or something. I mean, that information was available. The no campaign had all of the estimated funding cuts that, and the projects that could potentially yeah. be. At I risk. just feel like the yes campaign should have to say, we want this to happen and this is how we want to, we, we propose it's paid for, right? Or offset. Like, admit to yourself. That you're fucking shit up, at least, yep. please. Well. <laughs> so, anyway, that was fun. <laughs> I'm personally against public referendums like this in general. I They're mean, always just used as a way to make dumb people trick dumb people into trick- voting for things against themselves. Like that's all they're ever used for. I've never seen a referendum like this actually be for good. I would say that I disagree on two occasions, and both of them were the same year in Washington, and that was gay marriage and marijuana. Both of those were referendums, and both of them passed. Um, of course, I happen to agree with both of them, so... Uh, but I, I'm not saying that... Were either of those Tim Einman? But I'm No, but I'm not saying that you're wrong. Like, things like this... Cause me to balk at at these types of things, right? Because you're right. These are complex issues, and I mean, what you should have to do is vote for people who are going to pass the shit you want. Like, isn't that the point of representative of, government? It is. That is the point of representative democracy. So those campaigns, rather than doing it through a referendum, should do it through getting people elected who will pass their stances. Well, and so that's the thing. A lot of people think that Initiative 976 is probably going to be tied up in in uh, legal action for quite quite a while, for sure. (laughs) Right? Because 
I get. I guarantee that it's supposed to go into effect December fifth. Sound Transit <laughs> will not have the money to pay back all of those bonds on December fifth. They yeah. have to go to legal op. They have to go to legal to option to delay it, to even delay if it, so yeah. they can pay what they legally will be required to pay. Yeah, it, it's uh, these types of things are so frustrating. So yes, I agree with you. There is a danger to it. <laughs> For sure, and that danger is uh, average people, including me, can be duped. Well, I don't know. I don't know anymore. After watching uh, what's his, Lindsey Graham on TV one too many times, I'm pretty sure anyone can be duped, including no, people who are in the He's Senate. stupid. Due to just difficulties of real life, uh, this will be a shorter episode than usual, so we're going to just go ahead and hop from that straight into Sports Ball Corner. Yay. Uh, the World Series was relatively recent of this broadcast, and a couple weird baseball-y things happened that I just have no relevance they have no need for anyone to know but i think they're fascinating and why baseball's fun so that's what i'm going to tell you about right now (laughs) um the houston astros play the washington dc nationals um in and it's a best of seven and it went seven games okay and for the first time in all major american sports that have seven game series the home team won zero games. Oh, interesting. It, it was it was crazy because they they switch off, right? It, yeah. So the the team that had the best regular season record has home field advantage, and they do two games there, then three games at the other stadium, and then two more games at the yeah. other place. So why that not, way, there's four and three. Yeah, but why not just swap them? One, two, one, two, one, two, right? Less flying. Okay, okay, cool. Less travel. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm cool with that. They used to do two, 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 one. That okay. used to be the way it went, but they, I don't know, I guess less travel. Yeah. I don't know exactly why they did it the way they did it, but that's the way they do it. Okay. Um, uh, so the home team won zero games, which the Houston Astros had the better regular season, meaning that they had home field advantage, Meaning that they lost the World Series because yes. no home team won a game. Yeah, um, and they had the advantage of one game being one extra game being at home. Uh, the Astros' best pitchers, like who had dominated all season, were unable to get a home win, which is absolutely crazy. Um, Justin Verlander has been the Astros' best pitcher for a number of years, but the Astros recently picked up another guy who's also just very good. It's not like Verlander's fallen off at all, but he, one of his best pitchers uh, has had... I mean, he leads baseball history with the most postseason strikeouts ever. Oh, but he has dude. never won a World Series game. Like, anyone who knows baseball knows that pitcher win-loss is a bullshit stat that means nothing. It's still kind of interesting that he doesn't have one. <laughs> it's just, like, yeah. crazy how many he's played in, how good he is. How It's not that he's choked, either. Like, he's almost always pitched well. It's just that his team never shows up for him at the same time that he pitches well, so they always end up losing games that he pitches. Yeah. Anyway, 
the second interesting thing uh-huh. is that they do, you know, the MVP award for the season, but a smaller honor, but it's still an honor, is to win the World Series MVP, which is the most valuable players during the World Series okay. series. And that went to a man named Steven Strasburg, who was a pitcher for the Washington Nationals. Hmm. Um, I don't remember. It's not that important. But when Steven Strasburg was first drafted into MLB, he was supposed to be the next coming of baseball Jesus. So he went number one overall in the, in the baseball draft. Okay. This is the first time in baseball history where the number one overall pick has won World Series MVP. Mm. That is insane. That yeah. like, that like people always talk about baseball. How like the draft is really a crapshoot. But for that like level of just like proof in your face that it's a crapshoot that you just don't know how good people are gonna be, is crazy to me. And then the final thing that I thought was interesting is that Steven Strasburg uh-huh. won Finals MVP and went to San Diego State University for college. Okay. During the NBA season, you may remember the Toronto Raptors won the championship. And they do a similar thing where they have a finals MVP. Okay. The finals MVP this year was uh, Kawhi Leonard, who went to San Diego State University. This is, the f- this is the first time ever where within the same calendar year, two different sports have had a finals MVP from the same university. That is going to be a trivial pursuit question because fucking no, like there, people are going to read that question. Like, what is the only American university to have two finals MVPs yeah. in the same calendar year? Nobody's going to be like, oh, it's obviously San Diego State. Yeah, interesting. I don't know. As I said, those are three pointless things, but I found them interesting. Sports, yeah. interesting. This is a uh, uh, an intersection of two things that I enjoy: the Supreme Court and arguments about grammar. <laughs> yeah, those uh, are right in your wheelhouse. And I just learned about this today. Basically, I'll read the first paragraph of this article: The U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments today in an immigration case that has spawned debate over a two-word phrase that, on its face, seems simple enough. The term is, quote, renders inadmissible, unquote. And based on the debate in the courtroom, it's actually nearly incomprehensible. So here's what happened. Uh, This guy was, uh, came to the United States when he was 11 with his his mother. Um, At age 18, he pled guilty to felony criminal charges, not anything... I'm guessing not violent, like, maybe, like, uh, maybe it could be something violent. It just says felony criminal charges. He was convicted of drug charges the next few years, and then in 2016, the Department of Homeland Security began removal proceedings against him. And Barton, this person, applied for cancellation of removal. So, here's the thing. And this is the this is the most interesting part. A non-citizen is eligible for the cancellation of removal if they've been a lawful permanent resident for at least five years, which he had been. They've resided in the U.S. continuously for seven years, which he had been after having been admitted, 
and they have not been convicted of any aggravated felony. So apparently he wasn't convicted of any ag- aggravated felony. So he didn't. So he so all of the things that he had been federally convicted of were more than five years ago. No, it's uh, no. So those five and seven years were just how long you've been here. Okay. Um, wait, wait. Read the first. Read the five-year one again. They've been a lawful permanent resident for at least five years. And they have resided. Oh, they're permanent with lawful, not that they have been within the law for those five years. Correct. Like I, when I first heard that, I thought that the lawful meant that they had always followed the law. Yes. Or at least hadn't been caught. So now here's the fun part. Uh, and they were not convicted of any aggravated felony. So he hasn't been convicted of any aggravated felony. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. But the clock... On that continuous residence of seven years can be stopped if the applicant has committed an offense that, quote, renders, unquote, them, quote, inadmissible, unquote. So what basically (laughs) Justice Kagan basically said, if you're already here, how can you be inadmissible? Exactly. How can you be rendered? that was my first question. Is like, how can you be rendered inadmissible if you're already here? Yes. So basically, uh, Barton's lawyer countered that his client, exactly like you said, cannot be rendered inadmissible when he's already here and has been since he was 11. He says that the government is reading the immigration law too expansively. So what he's basically saying is, this is like if you leave... You commit an offense, then you leave, then you try to come back, and that offense renders you inadmissible. And he's saying that's not his case. He's been here the whole time. He was always he was already admitted here. Um, and so basically, he just says the first offense doesn't stop the clock because no immigration judge at the time said you are currently now rendered inadmissible. So even if you did read it to mean that you could be removed, even though you're already here. No judge at the time said, "Uh, oh, you just committed an, a rendering inadmissible offense. Um, so. So, like, what this guy is fighting for is to be able to fight the proceedings? Yes. So, so even government- if he wins... This case where they've decided this rendered inadmissible thing is bullshit, he still has to face his, the prospect of the, being deported. His cancellation application still has to be approved. So, Which he's, it he's, likely won't be, right? Probably. <laughs> At this point, probably. There's going to be some flag marked and he's fucked forever. Uh, but yeah, he's applying to cancel the m- removal. And the government is saying, you can't even apply because you committed an offense that that renders you inadmissible to this country. So here's where the fun part happens. This is what I love. So Alito, um, basically Breyer kind of leaned towards the Barton and basically said, okay, his quote is, he's been admitted. How could he be inadmissible? They admitted him. And then feigning ignorance said ah you mean he would have been inadmissible had he not been admitted (laughs) later alito leaning more towards the government's perspective 
says this quote, which I fucking love. It's it's a little long, so I'll, but I'll read the whole thing. Can I take you back to Justice Breyer's intriguing question about the meaning of inadmissibility? The 11th Circuit had some very colorful examples about status and words that end in, quote, A-B-L-E versus, quote, I-B-L-E, unquote. And one of them had to do with rotten fish. So if a fish rots and it is inedible, you would say, well, it was inedible before the person ate it. But under Justice Breyer's interpretation of admissibility, suppose this person eats the fish and then goes to the emergency room to have his stomach pumped. Would the doctor say, well, the fish wasn't actually inedible because, in fact, he ate it? That's true, right? It's literally true. Uh, so, it, it literally, it's true. But, colloquially, uh, a you would say the fish was inedible because you're, you're either... You either have this depends. I guess this is exactly the point. This is your definition of inedible. Exactly. A mountain is inedible. You can't eat it. Exactly. (laughs) So a rock is edible because you could potentially swallow it. Correct. A so Briar or sorry, Alito basically said no. You wouldn't because this fish always had the status of being inedible, and you're and. I kind of agree with you. It's not true. If you can eat it, the fish is edible. <laughs> but there is there is a little bit to be said about if the fish is edible, but the 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 only results are that you die or have your stomach pumped, then I will admit for all intents and purposes it's inedible. <laughs> right? Like it it may not be like classically defined, like fit the definition of something that cannot be eaten. It can be eaten, but colloquially it is an inedible thing. Uh but apparently the justices were pretty split on it and everybody was confused as fuck. <laughs> I mean, I think what they've determined, I think is exactly what they wanted the justice to determine is that it's a confusing and useless sentence. Yeah, I think that's actually probably the better way is maybe the result of the case would be this wording in the legislation is too vague, like it's inadmissible until it's rewritten, (laughs) until it's re, you know, legislated, I guess you could say. Sorry about the short podcast, although I guess I'm looking at the time. It's not going to be that short. No, it's still going to be about an hour. <laughs> like, almost um, 50 minutes. If it like is that. too short, then come tell us on the Facebook or send us an email at stillgotnothing yeah, at gmail.com. Us, tell us how sad you are. Tweet at stillgotnothing. Any of those types of social media. Although, I don't think we have an Instagram. No, but, I mean, really? Why would we? We don't have a TikTok. I don't even know what the fuck that is. Don't have uh, a Snapchat. I'm joking 10%. I know what TikTok is. What I mean when I say I don't know what that is, is like, I... Isn't it Vine for slutty teenagers? Isn't that what TikTok is? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know, 
But that sounds accurate to the general impressions I get. That's what I've heard, and in an effort to not get on any FBI lists, I have not investigated any further. <laughs> You're trying to be like, can I find slutty teens on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I'm trying to the, – the way to describe it is that I'm aware of its existence, but that is as far as I've gone. When a TikTok pops up on one of my pre-approved subreddits, I will watch it. I am not going to go seeking TikTok videos like I used to go out seeking Vine videos. Mm. Whatever. Why did Vine go away? Because they couldn't monetize it and they went bankrupt. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Isn't TikTok... Uh more long like the videos are longer right i think like 30 seconds instead of five or something no maybe Seven. clearly the experts here yeah although that's kind of the whole theme of this podcast is talking out of our asses so this is let's definitively say exactly what tiktok is right now without having done any research um it's basically like facebook in that we don't understand it the way 30-year-olds didn't understand Facebook when it came out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Those 30-year-olds, by the way, are now, what, like 40, 45? 45? Yeah, so just think of every 45-year-old person you know. They don't know fucking anything about They probably never even heard of TikTok. I think TikTok's a clock brand. I mean, it is. Actually, I don't know that it is. It might as well be, though. They think it's like a sentence that you read to little children about clocks. 